This morning is going to be a morning about the table. Clive and Lorraine Patterson were going to be part of us, part of leading us to the table. Uh, they've sold their house and uh, they are off to Australia in a few weeks' time. But uh, Lorraine is not the youngest person and tries to pick up 28 kilogram bags to weigh them and put her back out. So she hasn't made this morning. But uh, if you get a chance to SMS them or WhatsApp them uh, in the week just to wish them well on their journeys, they've been, they've been wonderful, always sat in the, in the back row there. And just, uh, it's, uh, we all miss them. We all miss them, their uh, life in the church. Uh, Zalani was saying one of his friends, uh, a church guy was uh, a believer, happened to be at the uh, this big event that took place in Cape Town. And it was an event in which uh, there was Federer and Bill Gates and Trevor Noah and Nadal all playing tennis. And this guy was with them and, and Zalani... As he, as he saw that, he, he thought, wow, what a thing to be with those famous people. And yes, it is. But when we come to Sunday morning and we see uh, the body of Christ gathering, the family gathering, sometimes we, we put people on pedestals. We put, I'm a Roger Federer fan. I have been for, for like 20-something years or however long he's been playing and I've, I've loved it and whenever he's won a game, I've always talked about it and, he, and, and dissected it and when he's lost some, we also kind of, I get really depressed and down. And so we put people on pedestals often, we put, we put preachers, we put uh, people who we think are completely amazing. But today, the family of God is meeting here and we carry Jesus. I know we can't, Jesus is not a celebrity. He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, but, but He is, uh, you know, somebody who we need to be getting excited about and, and clapping and roaring and uh, worshipping. So today is just the table. I'm going to read some scriptures and then Jockey is going to do a little sharing and I will continue in the sharing. But I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. The Lord's Supper. And Mark talked about traditions last week. And sometimes our traditions trip us up because they become ritualistic and we just go through the routine without owning them. And so often when we, when we, uh, we read the same scripture, which we read very often, it can be just, oh, I've got to read it to get it finished. So I want you just to, just to close your eyes and, and let the words speak to you today. Holy Spirit, show us Jesus in the Scriptures. Because the Scriptures are all about Jesus. So I pray, Holy Spirit, you would show each of us today something special about Jesus. Something which will change our lives. Something which will, will, will give us a different perspective. But in the following instructions, I do not commend you, because when you come together, it is not for the better, but for the worse. For in the first place, when you come together as a church, I hear there are divisions among you. And I believe in part, I believe it in part, 
For there must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you need, may be recognized. When you come together, it is, not, it is not the Lord's Supper that you eat. For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry, another gets drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat in and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? What shall, we, what shall I say to you? Shall I commend you for this? No, I will not. For I receive from the Lord what I delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let each person examine himself and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That is why many of you are weak and ill and some have died. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we might not be condemned along with the world. So then, my brothers, when you come together, wait for one another. If anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, so that when you come together, it will not be for judgment. About the other things, I will give directions when I come. And that's just a kind of a setting for the breaking of the bread, for the table, for coming to the table. I'm going to ask Jockey just to come up and share some insights that he's had in the, from this year. Morning, church. Morning, Jockey. When I was sitting there and Zolani asked for a word, I often hear something, but I'm not the type of person that wants to jump up and say something. But Jesus said, I have come that you may have life. Abundantly. So, uh, I've gained some perspectives on the, on the table of the Lord in the last months. And as we read in Acts 2.46, it says, Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So we all long to see the Acts Church in action again in our lifetimes, in our communities. We, we, we dream about that. We pray for revival. But they were breaking bread daily as they fellowshiped in their homes. And I'm asking myself, did they know something that I missed? 
In 1 Corinthians 11:29, one of the verses that Alan read is, For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. That is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. When we read that, we, we realize that there is a connection between our health and the way we Fellowship at the table. There's a connection. Now when we read Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5, it says, Surely he took our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. So, the table of the Lord consists of two parts. The blood and the body. The cup and the bread. Now, we all know the blood atoned for our sins. There's no forgiveness without the spilling of blood. But, so what is the body for? According to Isaiah, his body was broken for our healing. Maybe you're beginning to connect the dots. So we all know the deliverance from Israel. When Israel was delivered from Egypt, it is also a picture of our salvation, our deliverance from the bondage of Satan to our promised land. And they had... The Ten Commandments, we couldn't keep them. Jesus had to come to save us. The Ten Plagues didn't get Israel out of Egypt. What got them out? The blood of the Lamb on the doorposts is what saved them. But the interesting part is if we read Exodus 12, they had to eat the Lamb. They had to put the blood on the doorpost so that the angel of death would pass over. But they also had to eat the lamb. They had to roast it, the whole thing. They had to eat the entrails. They had to eat the heart, the lungs, the brain, every part of that lamb. They could not leave anything. So Exodus 12:11 reads, this, had, this is how you are to eat it, with your cloak tucked into your belt, your sandals on your feet and your staff in your hand. Eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. On the same night, I will pass through Egypt and strike down every firstborn of both people and animals, and I will bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am the Lord. The blood will be a sign for you on the houses where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you. No destructive plague will touch you when I strike Egypt. This is a day... You are to commemorate for the generations to come. You shall celebrate it as a festival to the Lord, a lasting ordinance. So, what was the result? Um, We read in Psalm 105 verse 7, He brought out Israel laden with silver and gold from among their tribes and 
No one faltered. Some translation says stumbled. The New King James says, He also brought them out with silver and gold, and there was no feeble one among his tribes. So we see when we look at the movies of the Exodus and so on, that they came out, one and a half million people, and some on stretches and some on crutches. But the Bible contradicts that. It actually says there was no feeble one among them. No one among them stumbled. And actually, so is this a bit of a big leap to make in terms of that lamb healing them? And when I researched more, I found in several verses where God said, I will keep you healthy and not bring the plagues and diseases that come upon Egypt will not be upon you. So they traveled in health while they were in the desert, while they were coming out of Egypt. Um, They had to eat all of the lamb, representing all of the body of Christ. So, Jesus took our sin on him so that we could have his righteousness. And when he took all our diseases and sickness and pain and suffering on him so that we could have his health. And it's easy to accept the salvation part. But for me, it's more difficult with the same faith to just accept the healing. That is my challenge. And last year in November, Anneli has had two procedures on her back because whatever it is, it's get pain, it gets painful and painful to the point where she cannot handle it. Then we're off to the doctor and they go through... Pro- I forget the name of it now. The last one is called a risotomy. Uh, and they inject stuff under an aesthetic into her nerve joints to numb them and to sort of shock them to silence. And it's supposed to last a couple of years and it was done January last year and by November she was in agony. And now we've been through this twice. And I said, I'm not going through this again now. It has to last longer. Because in Mark 16, 18, Jesus says that he will, we will lay hands on the sick and they will get well. And in John fourteen twelve, he says, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father. And I believe Jesus doesn't lie. So I said to Anni, come, lie down, and I've got some massage oil, and I oiled her whole back and massaged her and prayed for her healing, but not once. We did it on and on since late November last year, daily, sometimes twice a day. Now, nowadays, it's like once or twice a week she asks me, will you rub my back? Because that extreme pain is gone. And I praise God for that. Because he's not a liar. So we receive our salvation by accepting that the blood of Jesus 
atone for my sin, I believe we can also receive our healing by accepting that the body of Jesus was tortured and broken for our healing. By his stripes we are healed. I now believe that God also heals us progressively. It didn't happen the first day I started massaging. It took a couple of weeks, but I could feel sort of the knots and things go and vanish. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. I believe we have to persevere. And not just come once and say, okay, be well, and nothing happens. Or we think nothing happens. And we give up faith right there. But to persevere. So what I basically want to say this morning This is the body of Christ. This is the body of Christ for you. This is the body of Christ for your healing. God bless you. Maybe one more thing I want to say is that the way I grow in Christ is I do what he says and eventually something happens. By teaching, I learn. So I'm trying to learn something here today. So it's a big challenge for me to share it with you in this way. Thank you. So a couple of the words that we, we had in the, uh, earlier on, uh, Marilyn's word was rest. Jockey's word was life. This table represents many things. It represents life. It represents rest. It represents peace. It represents forgiveness. It represents death. It represents resurrection. In this, in this community, in this room, we have many people from many different backgrounds. From diverse uh, backgrounds. We have some Zimbabweans, refugees. We have some... Some Zulus, we have some Afrikaners, we have some Englishmen, we have some, uh, I don't know where else from, uh, eh? Indians, yeah, there we are. From different backgrounds, and this, this table, as the table comes, and as we come to the table, we come equal. As we come to the cross, we are all equal at the foot of the cross. We, all of us. We are all redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. We are all saved by Jesus, the same Savior. None of us is special. None of us is a celebrity when we come to the cross. We are all needing salvation. And so the table breaks down all the walls of separation. The table says the kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God has come. It also says that the kingdom of God is still coming. The King is coming. But it's also present here. The King is here. The King of kings and the Lord of lords is here. Just let that sink in. The King of kings and Lord of lords is here. And this is not our table. 
this is the Paul, this is, this is uh, the table of the Lord. It's He who's going to feed us. It's we have to receive not from anybody else, but from, from the Lord. And He invites you. He hosts you this morning. And He's going to feed us. And as we feed on His, on his death and on, 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 his, on His burial and on His body and, and, and the blood, and we, we feed on that, on that great thing, what report are we going to believe? What report are we going to believe? Are we going to believe the negative report? Are we going to look to the higher report that uh, Jockey read from Isaiah 53? One of the things we do as we, as we eat and drink of, this, of, of the blood of Jesus now, in a few moments, what we're doing is, it says there, we proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. And that word could, could, be, we, could mean preach, decree. Uh, what are the other words? Preaching, decree, announcing. Announcing. That's what we're doing. We are announcing. You thought you weren't a preacher. Well, when you come and take and eat of the body and blood of Christ, you are preaching, you are proclaiming the good news. You are proclaiming salvation. You are proclaiming why, why we are here. Till he comes again. In the Zoe discipleship course which we've been having and, and jockeys preached. And he talks about the two sides of the coin. For a coin to, to, be, to, have, to be valid, it has to have both sides. On the one side of the coin, there is our sins are forgiven. Jesus comes and takes away our sins. On the other side of the coin, we have died. And so we know as we come to the table, we know that we are loved. Why do we know that we are loved? We are loved because of the cross. If you're feeling unloved today, don't feel unloved. Look at the cross and know that you are loved. Look at the cross and know that He took your sins and my sins upon Himself. Look at the cross and realize that when he died, I died. When he died, you died. The gospel is, is amazing. How often should we be doing this? Well, I think we should probably be doing it more often than we do. They did it in the, they, they, they came to the temple and they worshiped in the temple, but they broke bread in their homes. You don't have to have a priest to do that. You as a couple, you as a family can break bread together and you can just even by yourself. Just, just, just go, to, go to a quiet place in, in, in your house and, and just break bread. And just acknowledge what the Lord has done in your heart. And do this often. Do this on a daily basis. The other day, a few weeks ago, because of various meetings and I started off early in the morning, I think I broke bread five times in that day. But what it needs to be, it needs to be a reminder. It needs to be a reminder to help me to understand how loved I am, how forgiven I am. That there's healing, that there's everything I need in Him. Nowhere else can I find any solutions in life. I can only find a solution if I find it in Jesus. And I know that there are people and ministering and talking to people and friends and just seeing how they get their lives into a tangle, into a mess. They get into sin. They, they, 
they go, they do silly things, they get arrested, they lose jobs. You know, there's this, this is what life looks like. In that life, we need to come to the table. We need to come to the table of mercy. We must remember Les's word. We need to be praising even when the report is not so good. Because God is sovereign. God is in control. So Paul here is instructing us a little bit on how to eat this bread. I mean, maybe just to go a little back, step, a few steps back, the context of in Corinthians, there was, it wasn't done like this. They were coming to the table and the people were getting drunk and people were grabbing and trying to get everything for myself. This is the Corinthian church. This is a church that has the gifts of the Spirit that, that flows and tongues and healing and all that kind of stuff. And it's a mess. And Paul has to uh, uh, condemn, has to give, bring a strong word of judgment because of their bad behavior. And so he says you need to come, when you come to the table, as you come to the table, you need to judge We need to judge ourselves, maybe 1 Corinthians 11. But if we would examine ourselves, we would not be judged by the Lord in this this way. Yet when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the rest of the world. So we need to take our stuff to the Lord. Examine yourself. Examine yourself. What are we meant to be examining ourselves for? In 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5, it says, Examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourselves, or do you not realize this about yourself, that Jesus is in you, unless indeed you fail to meet the test. That's quite a thing. If you fail to meet the test, and the test is, is Jesus in you, that's a, you're on a, on, on a slippery slope. And so we need to examine ourselves. We need to examine ourselves to see, are we in Christ? Am I in Christ? As you look at your life, as you look at your marriage, as you look at your work, as you look at your finances, as you look at your circumstances, what are you seeing? How are you seeing the situation? Are you seeing through the eyes of faith? Are you seeing through Christ's eyes? As you come to the table now, we're all carrying stuff. You must bring all the stuff to the table, to the foot of the cross. And God will take it. I mean, Jockey's already talked about it. And he said that, you know, because they haven't discerned the body, they haven't, they haven't judged themselves, they haven't seen... If there's any stuff in their lives, they haven't looked at whether they're in Christ. Some have got sick. Some have, uh, uh, have even died. So it's quite, a, it's quite sobering. This is quite a sobering word. The scriptures are quite sobering and quite, quite harsh and quite hard sometimes. But sometimes the Lord disciplines us because he wants us to be on the other side in the freedom. And if we, if we walk in Jesus, I am in Jesus. If I'm living in Him and I'm examining myself and seeing that I'm walking in Him, 
And how do I see whether I'm walking in Him? Well, hopefully I'm going to be seeing some fruit. And what does the fruit look like? Well, the fruit looks like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, long-suffering, self-control, all those, all those fruit of the Spirit. That's what it's going to look like. That's what your life is going to look like. That's what my life is going to look like. That is what God is calling us to be. He's calling us to be holy as He is holy. Wow. Set apart. We get, we, we, we're going to be looking different to the world. And so the reason that we, if, we, if we are walking in Jesus, then we can be strong, we can be healthy, and, and, we, and, and we won't die prematurely. So this is the most amazing day, the amazing time that you're going to experience this week. This is the blood. The blood. Which, which says, I'm forgiven. This is the body which brings life. And as we're eating, I know it's, a, it's, it's symbols here. As we're eating the matzos, and as we're drinking the wine, as we're drinking the grape, grape juice, it's symbolic of Jesus' blood. And Jesus' body. And there's going to be life experience here. As you eat and drink, expect the life of God to explode in your heart. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this bread. That this is the body of your Son, And my Lord Jesus. Thank you Jesus that you took my sins. My cares, my worries. My sicknesses and my diseases diseases upon your body. Thank you that your body took all that my body could not. Thank you that your body took up my infirmities. My disease. My chastisement. My affliction. My iniquity, my rebellion, my transgressions, my grief, my sorrow, my anguish, my guilt, my shame, my condemnation. Resulting in your body taking my death. I proclaim that you died my death. I proclaim that I was crucified with you. And that I no longer live. But you now live in me. The life I now live in the body I live by faith because you gave your body for me. And now, glorious Father, I receive total healing and wholeness in my spirit, my soul, my mind, my emotions and my body. The life healing and wholeness includes every organ, every cell, every joint, every ligament, every muscle, every bone in my body. I declare that your total provision, I declare your total provision in any and every need. I receive your healing. I receive your grace and your mercy. I declare forgiveness, wholeness, and grace on all my relationships, both family and friends. 
I declare this over my marriage. I declare oneness with my spouse. I take this over my children and my grandchildren and declare salvation for my house. I declare this over Sarepta Church, over this family. And so I thank you. I thank you for your body broken for me. He also took the cup. In Leviticus 17 verse 11 it says that the life of the flesh is in the blood. And as we drink the blood, it will bring life to you. So Lord, this is one of the most powerful substances in the universe. It's more powerful than all physical weapons, medicines, foods, bacteria, viruses, curses, rebellious decisions that I've made. The blood has the power to deal fully with all my sin. All my sin. It has the power to deal with all my sin. Both the power of sin in my life and ultimately one day the presence of sin in this world. Jesus, your blood was shed for us. Thank you for this blood. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Thank you that every demonic assignment, curse and influence is rendered powerless because of your blood. Thank you for shedding your blood at Calvary. I now receive your blood, a new and fresh filling of your life and spirit. In the name of Jesus. Amen. If I can ask the house church just to come, and if we can just come, maybe just, uh, just quietly, come and feast on the, on the life of, of Jesus.